0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Unaware podcast with Bee Physiology. So sit back and enjoy the next episode of Bee Stories where we chat with Peter uh, about her role as an NDIS support coordinator and also being the parent of a child living with a disability.
1: Peter, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We're gonna we're gonna start off with the same question that we do for everyone that comes in. Mm -hmm. What would the name of your autobiography be?
2: Um, very tough first question, guys. It is. We uh,
1: hit the ground running.
2: Yes. Um, I've gone something simple. Treat others how you would like to be treated.
1: Ah, yeah, beautiful. Mm,
2: Just a simple one for an approach to life.
1: Yes. I must say I went to a Catholic school and uh, I wasn't raised Christian or anything like that but went to the school and the only real teaching I took from all the – religious teachings was Mm. treat others or do unto others as you would have
2: yes and i was having a conversation with someone about it this week about that saying and it's used i'm not a religious person either but um it's used in all different types of religions i was talking to someone who's a has a master's in theology Mm. and she said it comes from all different types of religions just written in different ways
0: so they are talking to each other. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I'm still throwing that of... I mean, I'm not overly, really decisive uh, either. But of <laughs> but all the Bible, like you took one thing. Like, one thing. One that's thing. literally it's the one cool. thing that I there have. There
3: you go.
2: That's, yeah. that's your fee. That's done.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Mom. <Marv>, thanks, Dad. <laughs> yeah.
1: You We're don't even so know about the crucifixion. <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: what happened?
1: That's a <laughs> <laughs> So take us back uh, to uh, young Peter. Give us a little background of... Uh, Your story.
2: My story. Um, So, career-wise, I worked in administration when I left school Mm -hmm. um, for a large accounting firm and I moved through a few different financial roles, um, moved out of finance into operations and policies and procedures and Mm -hmm. then worked for a training organisation as the um, training organisation manager.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: During that time, met my hubby, Andrew, and then we had our twins 10 years ago, Levi and MJ.
3: Mm.
2: MJ is why we're here today. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm currently in a um, business, business role for a speech and OT clinic.
1: Beautiful. So, yeah. And what led you into that path of, well, actually stuff in the beginning. Mm. Accounting, I know. At at the very start? (laughs) Yes. What drove you away from counting? I wonder. Uh, Other than accounting in I still have a
2: secret passion for it. Um, Yeah, You still
1: have
0: a secret passion
2: for it. Yeah, yeah. Good at math, just
1: generally good at math. How do you feel Um, about spreadsheets? Is that your thing? Does that get your rocks off? Yeah. I love a good spreadsheet. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I love a good spreadsheet. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it just, I think it just evolved because when I started my administration role, I was working for a really large. firm so mm-hmm. I think I just was exposed to different types of things and it wasn't just that black and white maths I wasn't yeah. particularly amazing at maths in school it was just I think it just evolved from okay. there yeah. So,
1: yeah. and how did that interest of accounting evolve into operations and then uh, onto your specific role now
2: um, again I think it was an an involvement but there's a lot of um requirements in accounting world that you know mm. you've got to follow certain procedures and processes to do things to get the outcome mm. so I think it was just a natural um thing to move into policies and procedures um and then I moved into that, that current role that I'm in um what really spoke to me about the role was that I had experience to help families um from mm. from what I'd been experiencing in my personal life yeah so um it was just very much a natural progression, yeah, okay. and um, has really given me a lot of um, job satisfaction. Yeah, yeah, that's great. yeah. So,
1: it's a product of your. Should I move that mic a little bit? or Is that fine? There, that's good. There. So it's a product of your environment. Then yeah. it's a bit of a nurture.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think thing. it's just it's evolved from yeah. a few different things. So. Yeah,
0: okay, <clears throat> and with something that. Um, you like were really thinking about it at some point? Like you started to notice in yourself that you would have these skills and that you would be capable of this role that isn't quite where you started and you're like, oh, maybe I'll start to gear myself towards there or did it happen more naturally? I think
2: um, I'd left a role that wasn't being supportive um, of my child with additional needs and lots of families will face that. Mm. Um, and during that time when I was looking for another role, I wasn't rushing um, but this role popped up mm. and um, I was like, hang on a minute, this is a mixture of all my skills but it also brings in um, where I'm able to make a difference in people's lives, yeah. So, which you guys would, you know, experience mm. every day too. So, mm. um, yeah, it's definitely – it's probably um, – Exceeded my expectations on, on that experience, I suppose, and you start to sort of experience what life is about for others. That's not normal every day. Yeah,
0: That's a good way to put it. And mm. can you correct me if I'm wrong? So, is part of your role also being support coordination as well? Like that sort of is absolutely that one yeah. role, and is this two different roles that you've been melded into one? It
2: is. Yeah, support coordination's um, just evolved. Oh. Oh. From the current role, <laughs> um, just as as a, an addition to what I already do for where I work, so um, it's certainly been a change, um, mm. but again a good change. Where I'm I'm there to help people and help them in their everyday life. So
0: it sounds yeah. like it'd be a lot to juggle, because it can I mean be. we obviously know of other support coordinators yeah. and. That job on its own can mm. be pretty yeah, full on. Yeah,
2: definitely. I think you just have to manage how many people you take on.
3: Yeah,
0: yes. Taking
2: too many on is not the key to that role. Yes. Um, yeah. Because they're people that have all sorts of needs. Some don't need a lot and others need a lot of, um, of help in that first sort of year of having a support coordination included in their plan. So,
0: hmm. um, yeah. Is that the general theme where, like, generally you'll start seeing somebody and or somebody will start using your services and for the first year it's pretty heavy in terms of what your role is and the idea is to sort of try and fade back up absolutely because we're the same when you think about it like our role is like we try to be heavier at the beginning and then the idea is to yeah scale it back totally Um, but i never thought about that from support coordination yeah so
2: the idea of support coordination is is not to be there forever Mm. It's to set you up to build your capacity to be able to do the things that I'm teaching them to do and how mm. to understand their plan. So the idea would be, you know, there's not a time frame, but that you would have less and less support coordination needs because you build your capacity to be yeah. able to do those things yourself. Yeah, right.
0: It's all independence in the end. That's what we're all working towards. yeah. I know yeah. you like numbers, and I'm not <laughs> going to ask you to give me a specific number here, but like, what is the general success rate of getting somebody off your services? Like, how is that something that does happen more often than not, or do you find that people become quite attached to the assistance that you're able to provide? Um,
2: for, because we're only in our first year of support coordination mm. uh we haven't had anyone move on yet mm. but i'm certainly seeing promising signs yes cool. so i've got some great examples to share that yeah,
3: perfect.
2: um yeah uh, that that person is building their independence when they started with me there's no way they would have even thought that they, they could have done that so mm.
1: yeah it's such an amazing thing hearing someone else in a completely different role to ours mm. say exactly the same things yeah. as we say. Yeah. So, Absolutely. Yeah. That is mm. cool. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So can you explain because it is it is a Broad and tricky topic and it's hard to understand for a lot of people, but can you explain what a support coordinator does?
2: Yeah, sure. So there's three levels um, of support coordination. So level one um, is typically building person's ability to connect with their community around them, mm. um, accessing um, community and funded supports and getting the pl- most out of your plan and pursuing your goals. Mm-hmm. That's not typically used a lot. Um, and then there's level two, which is what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, that's in the coordination of support. So it's coordinating that person to, again, get the most out of their plans and, and work towards achieving their goals, connecting them with providers mm-hmm. um, and connecting them with supports they may need.
0: So If I can cut back in there, why is level one not used all that much? Because when you, when you give it its harder. you're like, oh, that sounds
2: yeah Important. I think I think because generally if you're given support coordination in a new plan for example um, a lot of people have not connected with with um, with providers yet or they' they're struggling to connect with providers because they don't know where to go they don't know what to do what do I need how mm. do I use my plan um, so you you can, I can offer level one as well but generally you're going to find that they need all in at the beginning to try yeah, and help right. them do that connection. Gotcha. Mm. Mm.
0: So the levels is essentially like a needs hierarchy. Yeah. And the higher the level, the more. Yeah.
2: So um, level three um, is specialist support coordination. So typically um, people that need this coordination um, are, are quite high needs. They're complex. They need specialist support. They often will be... Um, you know, one-on-one care, mm. um, 24-7 care as well. Um, and they need to have um, a, a um, background in mental health, um, okay. counselling, um, other qualifications to be able to perform that role or, or a lot of lived experience.
0: Mm. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, because you've obviously taken a bit of a side approach to getting into sport coordination, or at mm. least with one of your roles. But what is the typical progression of somebody, say, finishing high school, is there a degree that people go through to get a disability coordination or is it life experience and just being fit for the role?
2: Yeah, absolutely. You, you can be taught on the job, um, absolutely, if you've got someone, you know, a great mentor to show you the way. Mm. Um, but I think it also helps to have that lived experience in mm. disability to understand how it works. You've got to have a f- couple of years with running plans and having whether it's a child or a family member or someone you care for Mm. um, to be in there and start to really understand the thick of it because as we know it's so broad we can all interpret it differently Um, but there's things to follow around what what the guidelines are to how you can use your plan.
1: So you'd say most of the support coordinators you work with have that lived experience
2: absolutely yeah Yeah. so I work with closely with a few from uh, in a level 3 capacity Mm. as well Um, so they've got um, either lived experience with mental health conditions Mm -hmm.
3: themselves
2: and are managing those um, or they have qualifications in delivering mental health services
0: is there almost yeah. like an unspoken level of modesty in terms of if you don't feel you've had that lived experience that you wouldn't put yourself forward for a Absolutely. level three role? Where you're like, that's not for me. I don't understand yep. that.
2: Absolutely. So I don't do housing.
0: Job. That's mm-hmm.
2: not a specialty for me. It's very complex. And there's experts out there that look after housing. So okay. if someone comes to us for housing, mm-hmm. then we refer them to another, another because we can't be experts at everything. No. Yeah. So, um, yeah.
1: What, explain... To people out there, what how, what do you mean by housing? I mean, people come uh, to you for housing?
2: Yeah, so there's lots of different levels of housing, and I can't rattle off all the terminology, yeah. but there's different levels of housing. So whether you're living independently with support, um, whether you're living in a shared situation, yeah. shared accommodation, um, you may be in... Uh, a, independent living but with supports coming into your home as mm-hmm. well. So there's a lot of legislation around how that is approved by NDIA, mm. um, how it works, the costings and things like that. So And it's also about matching people with the right people that they're going to yeah. live with or want to live with or yes. not want to live with.
1: I would find that would be the hardest thing. Yeah. It's just... It's a
2: big decision. In
1: ...finding a, a roommate. Yeah. For just... Talking of yeah. personal experience. Yep. You, you're lucky you've got a couple of friends and then you realise you don't want to live with those friends. Yeah, because they know? don't wash up. And then,
0: yeah, <laughs> exactly. I turned down a... A request to live with Harry. We're not going to talk about that, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. not no. just Harry, but yeah. Same. With you,
2: yeah. Are you not washing the dishes, AJ?
0: I am a dishwasher. Yeah, uh, okay. So I right. need everybody to. I don't to know why you island. turned me down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Brittany and I could live together, <laughs> and my partner and Harry can kick their shoes wherever they like. Oh, so
2: it's about the shoes, is uh, it? That's yeah. the problem in yeah. their <laughs> house, it is about the shoes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, do you uh, also do uh, support coordination for kids and adults, and Like you're talking about housing, so I'd imagine that's mostly adults. Yeah, so
2: any age. Um, typically, at the moment with NDIS, they're giving support coordination a lot more to adults. Um, Support coordination for for kiddies is usually if um, there's numerous kids with um, plans um, and parents or carers might also be on plans or facing um, day-to-day struggles as well. So um, they sort of have a criteria on how they... They uh, give out support
0: coordination. Right. So support coordination, when you say give out, like that's its own fund allocation. Yes, so you're either going to get allocations for support coordination or it's like you kind of need to handle this on your own. Exactly. Um, mm. Which You've, makes it sound more drastic. I yes. don't mean it in that way. But, yeah, no, um,
2: absolutely. You need to request it or NDIA will suggest you, you have support coordination depending on your circumstances.
0: Um, and in an example where you might be working with a family that has more than one kid... Mm. How often do you speak directly to the kids about what it is? I mean, is it all just parents to support coordinator conversations? Or like how often are you trying to, like, get Engage into the mind of the kids. kid that you're working with? I mean, obviously, they're not going to be like, well, I'd really love to speak with a speech therapist or an OT yeah. or whatever it may be. But It's a tricky um, one.
2: I think it really depends on the situation. Um, some kiddies are hard to engage with with things like that, and they just might not be interested. Yeah. And mum and dad are their advocate, and mum and dad are doing a great job of that. And mm. they know that this is what they need, but this is their day to day struggles. Mm. So, um, absolutely, we'll always offer to talk to the kids, um, but it's often mum and dad or the or the main carer that that yeah. do that sort of advocate advocacy for their child.
1: Okay. Yeah. yeah. So. You mentioned one of uh, of the roles of your – one of the tasks of your specific role Mm. is finding reliable supports. How does that – how have you found that process over the last year?
2: Yeah, it's up and down. Mm. (laughs) Um, It's all about trying – The main supports um, I engage with is allied health and support workers. Mm. So um, the participant will normally give me a bit of an idea of what they're after in the support worker. And then we'll go through and chat about whether we want independent support workers so that they operate under their own ABN. Um, Some people have a preference to Mm. rather than working with a big company. Um, what I do find... What would find, be the
0: difference there for someone? What, what, if what I'm do?
2: honest, the big companies have a lot of paperwork to fill in, a lot mm. of risk assessments, okay. um, a lot more paperwork, and one of my participants has been put off by the paperwork. Just, right. It's too much. I,
1: it's the, too much. One, another thing i found is that if someone's doing it independently, and this is, you know, support workers that essentially have become part of the family mm-hmm. as well, mm. they will do those heavy lift transfers for mm. people and they'll do the things that if you're working for a larger company... it's a lot more involved. For, yeah, you, yeah, like it would be, you need two people there mm. or something like yeah. that. Yeah, so.
2: there is a lot of red tape and, and from a, you know, policy procedure pers- perspective, Absolutely, these big companies need to do the paperwork. It's part of yeah, their risk, yeah, yeah. it's part company. of their insurance mm. and all that sort of thing. So I think that's, that's a little bit of a hurdle for support workers. So, um, And then matching that support worker to the person. So we always try to do a um, trial shift and see how they gel because you know they might gel on paper or on mm. the phone, but until they actually get into the home, there is sometimes a difference like like any engagement relationship so that's probably the biggest hurdle is matching people to support workers. Well, I can
0: actually think of a client who, who we both see in mm. different sessions, but um, he was seeing uh, using a support worker for a long while and their relationship was fine. And over time, it actually started to break down. So mm. it's not just that how good is the initial meeting. You mm. can get through that and be okay for a good couple of months and then it's Something changes. Of, and it's not that anything major had <laughs> happened or anything. It just becomes, well, what yeah. is this service to me and, and how are you...
2: How are you delivering um, it? Yeah, yeah exactly, mm. and
0: and I suppose people's needs change all the time because people progress, mm.
2: whether progress, it's functionally regress, or from yeah. the
0: standpoint of independence. It's yeah.
2: yeah, absolutely, and I think that's where you've got to try if you're able to is to build a team, mm. so have two people at least so that you have that backup if you know that relationship does break down or it just right. doesn't work out. So yeah, okay, yeah,
0: not what just for one you, person. Uh, Blurred line for you being a support coordinator and then also having a child who utilises the NDIS system.
2: Uh, it's not really blurred for me. It's pretty clear. You might have
0: a bit of a leg up knowing yeah. how the system works. I guess. Well,
2: yeah, I think. I mean, I think anyone can research into the system. Mm. There's lots of connections you can make to understand the system and keep understanding more and more about it because it is so complex.
1: There's lots of groups and yeah, pages and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Found. Yeah, absolutely. And there's so many and they'll all give you a different perspective. Mm. Um, and there's always uh, people that who I'd probably err on the side of saying they probably want to go against the grain of how the guidelines work.
1: Oh, we've met some of those people <laughs> yeah, before. Yeah. <laughs>
2: so um, they're always interesting to read their comments about how they're going to make something work so that they can have it funded.
1: Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, so yes. that's
2: um, that's always a bit of a challenge, you know, just often a scroll and keep going
3: mm. type situation.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think we haven't launched into support workers as such yet due to um, MJ's age, but mm. that's certainly going to be coming up in the next few years as she moves mm. away from primary school and um, needs to gain more independence away from mum and dad so yeah Yeah.
0: that's interesting um just that that you're already thinking about that you know coming out of primary school because we've got well i've spoken to another parent recently Mm. who also was a support coordinator Mm. um and she's making those transitions at the end of high school so it's interesting that you're sort of doing that a different. yeah i
2: think we have to be thinking about it um potentially for you know two plans time how's that going to work mm. you know it's also about as a parent um moving into that realm of trusting someone else with your yeah. child yeah. yeah um so there's risk there for us as well yeah absolutely um so yeah it's starting to put those wheels in motion as we start we'll have to build our team mm. so yeah. and i
1: must say you're very good at that you have a very good team
2: we do have and a good we'll team. go into
1: that a little bit later mm. on but um yeah, it's interesting that you said that. You mentioned that twice now in terms of having a team important. and yep. having a, a good network. Mm. So you've talked about support, uh, support staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about services? Is there anything in particular that you look for in a service, or you know, what what are the key factors when you think I need, I'm going to recommend this person, yep. or I'm going to continue to recommend these people?
2: For me, it's um, obviously quality service um, it's making sure that they turn up when they say they're going to turn up it's also word of mouth for mm. me um, you know I'm exposed to a lot of different people and I hear lots of different places and um, I can certainly know and I also have personal experience from places I wouldn't go back to just because the service level was not there there was not a connection between them and my child Yes, and that wasn't Even just a connection issue, I suppose, also, it was just a disinterest almost. Um, So they're the people or the companies we stay away from. We're always um, keen to hear of good service and how how that works and how the person's responding to receiving that service. Mm. Are they looking forward to seeing that person? Yes. When it's that time of the, yeah, like the yeah, day, yeah. week, month, whenever they see them, so yes. that's always important to yeah. me.
1: So it definitely seems to be a gauge for us as well. Mm. Mm. Like, you know, if someone, if you're showing up to someone's house and they and you know that they're ready and they're mm. excited oh, yeah. to they've to get going, EG,
2: they've got their green shirt on,
1: they got their yeah, they've got yeah. their physiology <laughs> custom shirt on, <laughs> yeah. and they're ready to exercise. Yes,
0: that's <laughs> right. That's right. Yeah. yeah so. What's the time? What's it like when so outside of uh, MJ mm. and, and you're doing support coordination for just another participant? Mm-hmm. And if they were ever to come back with negative feedback about a service provided that obviously you uh, connected directed them, them towards, mm. do you get backlash then, or is that is it different? Um, or like, what's I haven't the received
2: backlash. The, I've received feedback um, about a cleaner, for example. Mm. Um, so. It's For me, it's simple for me to go back and say, look, this was not done as you said. I think mm. it's like anything with life. If, it, if you really – you've paid for something and it's mm. a decent amount of money, um, you know, it wasn't how you said. So we either resolve it, they go back and sort the problem so, out, uh, yeah. or we move on and we don't use that service provider again. Right. Yeah, so okay. most P- – and look, I haven't really had many issues. Probably the, the issue that everyone's facing at the moment is actually – for things like services for people at home is the the, um, availability of people at the moment.
0: Yeah, I've
2: heard that. So, yeah, yeah, I'm really Mm. trying at the moment for one participant's needing a gardener and a cleaner, which normally would be fine, but COVID times, you know, the workforce is short and it's another month wait until that person can get those services. Luckily, they are able to still do that at home with some help Mm. Um, but, you know, we're trying to push forward to find, find people. So simplicities like that, which I've, we've never be, had to face.
3: Yes. And, yeah. look,
2: I think most people that I'm working together with, they're completely understanding of that, you mm. know, because we're all facing it in some capacity. Mm. You know, we can't get meat at the butcher or, you know, simple things. Yeah. But, you know, there's toilet there's paper. a – Yeah, toilet yeah. paper. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Canned yeah. goods. Yeah. <laughs>
1: You know. That's right. Fresh fruit is available. <laughs> yes, but you can't get the canned stuff. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and no meat, so we're all vegetarians oh, now. <laughs> yeah. oh, yes, exactly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So yeah.
2: yeah, it's just about trying to have that relationship with that provider and say, hey, look, this was not really what we asked mm, for. And standard. Yeah, and this this particular person happy to go back. They they mm. you know. They wanted to resolve it and we move forward and we give them another go and see what happens. But, you know, if it doesn't up to ship shape for the next turn, then, you know, maybe they're just not the provider for us. Exactly, yeah, that's
0: a good way to put it. (laughs) You you just said as well with that client in particular and the gardener and the cleaner, and you were Mm. like, well, luckily this person's able to take on that role, at Mm. least to some extent, in the meantime, how often do you need to have the conversation if someone's like, look, I really want this service, and you know, if you feel like they're equipped to do that independently, and you Mm. don't want to allocate funding that way, Mm. um, are you having those conversations a lot where you're like, look, I get it, but also, I think we're better off using this here, Um, Um, because people know what they want, and that would be a hard thing to be like, Mm. actually, no, or...
2: Yeah, look, I keep a pretty close eye on the numbers obviously um and we will always when i engage with a person we'll have an idea of you know these are the services we're going to work towards you know this one these are immediate and these are coming up sort of thing so um if i felt that they didn't need that service i would i would have that conversation um but i also have to respect that if they're asking for that there's genuinely a need um i have pretty good relationships with these people to understand their their daily life struggles um so yeah it it is a fine line though it's definitely a difficult one if i felt that they really didn't need to be accessing that kind of service i would have to have that conversation but to be honest i've not had to have that conversation we we
0: kind of get it directly sometimes we'll be like yeah you you're ready to move on now and they're like no Like, you're <laughs> yeah, keep sometimes,
2: here and you're like, oh, yeah. Right,
0: yeah, and yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah absolutely.
2: Weird. And I think you know, people definitely in my main role, we you know, we do have um, times where, hey, you're ready to take a break. Like you're doing really well, mm. and it's almost a shock for people because I think as a parent, we're so focused on what we cannot achieve yet, mm. and it's hard to move your mindset and go actually. Now, we can. I'm saying we, that person, can run for five minutes, or they can um, do all their their. Uh, I'm just trying functional to
0: think functional of it. tasks. Yeah, yeah. yeah way putting it like, like that. that. It's I hard like
2: to move from the and look negative. At
0: what you actually already done. Yeah. Yeah. Mm.
2: So it, I think it comes as a shock to people sometimes because yeah. they're like, "Hang on, oh, I can do that, mm. and I can come back." And you know, I think the other important thing is them to know that they can come back if yeah. they need
0: to, yeah, okay. you know? Yeah, yeah. So,
2: you know, things can always change within a break time um, and you can always re-engage. Yeah. Yeah. That would be
0: hard. I mean, is that something that you consciously do like even from as like as a support coordinator and be like to try and look more so at what you have been able to achieve as opposed mm. to what else is needed. So you can figure yeah. out what it it's time to Yeah. Well, we've or? just
2: hit that point with one of our clients. Um, where they just didn't feel they were able to en- engage with supports. So they just were, f- were scared to have support workers in their home.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and now we've done a full 360. We have a th- support team. You know, we've culled a few along the way, but that's the, how it works in terms of trying to yeah. get the match. Um, and over the break, she actually engaged a new support worker herself. So oh. yeah, this is about hey, you're starting to do this by yourself mm. now, and you can do this. Yeah. So it's just proven. Yeah, mm. absolutely. That's so cool. she just needed that help to to get there, and um, yeah. So we've had a nice little step forward.
1: It definitely seems very overwhelming at the start.
2: It's busy at the start, right? On new support coordination, yes. Um, yeah. Plan as such. So it's always busy because you want to be able to. Do what you can as quickly as possible, Mm. um, Mm. and execute that as quickly as you can. Um, But I find for myself if I if I sort of make okay, these are the three main goals we're going to execute within two to three months or one month, you know, depending on what the urgency is, and then these are the ones we're going to work towards Mm. in the next six months. Um, Yeah, probably similar to how you guys execute (laughs) things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's you know we it's too much if you try and do six things at once, you mm. just will get – you will get nowhere because you won't be able to get the gardener, <laughs> you know, you won't yeah. be able to get the cleaner, yeah. those sort of things. So, um, yeah.
1: Step-by-step step Yep, process. absolutely. What uh, – are you always looking for new services, new service providers? Absolutely, and, yeah. And, and is it – and it's mainly that word of mouth that really draws you in to – Yeah,
2: definitely. To get people um, on board? Yeah, absolutely. Dr- um, word of mouth. Um, and as, as I, Maybe this is not the right wording, but if you're if there's a bit of a more well, a long wait list for someone, mm-hmm. they're generally going to be services that you probably want to engage in, so you want to put yep. your name down generally hey, generally okay. speaking,
3: yes yep.
2: um the demand's high for those you know there is a massive shortage at the mm-hmm. moment of allied health mm-hmm. around Brisbane, but um yes. wait lists are really a bit of a trigger for me as to how long you're waiting for someone's services, okay. what, depending.
1: What's your uh, longest wait list you're oh, on?
2: <laughs> I think where we've got one for a client, it's, it's a two-year wait. Whoa. So, but look, you've got to be open. You'll be open to be able to available. Yeah. Someone could drop out and you just you just never know. Put that so name down. So you put down. your name yeah. down, mm. yeah. Wow. Yep, yeah. and haven't closed the books off yet. So, they're still taking people yeah.
0: for two years. So,
2: yeah. Mm, I think nice position for them to be yeah, in. Yeah, <laughs> good on
0: them, but it almost sounds stressful. It sounds impossible. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yep. yep.
1: Moving on, uh, do you, can you think right now of any particular stories that you've uh, had from support coordination mm-hmm. uh, that you, you know, you'd you like to share Share with everyone. Yeah,
2: so I shared a little one earlier. Mm. Where she, uh, lady, went on and engaged with her own support workers. Um, mm. Another one had been uh, another lady wanted to um, wanted me to organise a type of therapy for her, and I said, "Look, we'd put a wait because there was she had a lot going on and she'd had an accident." Um, let's put a weight just until you're feeling a lot better from your accident. You've recovered. She um, recovered quite well over the Christmas break and she went and engaged in the service herself. So, Bloody yeah, brilliant. it's just great. Like, to me, that's success <laughs> yeah, because that's, that's confidence. That's, hey, I can do it. Mm. And um, she actually attended that last week for the first time and just loved it.
1: It is amazing seeing... People's confidence in their own independence at the start and just how shaken Mm. someone can be. Yep. And then even just a slight improvement on that Mm. can just completely change their world. Absolutely. And it's being there at at the beginning or at a particular point and Mm. then seeing any kind of change. Mm. It just stands out. Yeah. Oh, it really does. And
2: that probably people hear that and think that's, oh, that's not a big deal. Mm. But in an, in an everyday world. Yeah. But when you're dealing with multiple disabilities, that's a massive deal. Yes. Massive deal. So, um, yeah, that's all sorts of high fives for me. Mm. So yeah. Yeah.
3: Mm.
1: Fantastic. So obviously you've been working in support coordination for a little while now Mm -hmm. and, uh, people come back with feedback for you mm-hmm. about, you know, a whole number of things. I assume, but probably the NDIS as a structure,
3: mm.
1: as a whole. What are some reoccurring trends when it comes to people and their feedback, positive or negative? I guess mm. when it comes to the NDIS uh, as a their you know, only source of income sometimes.
2: Mm. Yeah. So I think the biggest challenges most people face is understanding the buckets of money and what they can be used for. Um, It can be uh, just as simple as I I have this money, but I don't know what to do with it. Um, Some people for them, when they've received an NDIS plan for disabilities, They've never engaged in services previously. They've never been able to or been able to afford to. Mm. Um, so that's a big challenge. Just again, jumping over that hurdle. What do I, what do I do? How do I use this? Even though I face all these struggles, how do I get over the first hurdle? Mm. Um, and then, probably the grey areas of the the NDIS in terms of how you can use that money yeah. and the connection to a disability hmm. so that's probably a big one that i see being not understood or manipulated yeah. to their best of their ability
0: right so you think that there is I'm like there's ways that funds can be manipulated a little bit better to give people what they yeah because i hear like yeah. little things i'm like oh i had no idea that you could use your fund that yeah. way and like we obviously work with plenty of people
2: Yes. Yeah, so uh, what I find, so agency managed clients um, are limited on where they can use their funds, plan and self-managed uh, have a lot more flexibility, self-managed even more flexibility. Mm. Uh, but I think the key thing people need to remember is that the services that you're seeking or the items that you're seeking to purchase, they need to relate to your disability. Yes, that is what the scheme is about
3: um,
2: because I think we run the real risk of the scheme being, you know, we're hearing lots of slashing um, and, you know, it's meant to be a positive thing for people with disabilities and we certainly don't want that ripped from under everyone. So it's probably the biggest fear I have is that the people that are not doing the right thing or maybe mm. just you know fudging it a little bit to mm. make it work that's going to be the undoing death of...
1: by a thousand cuts in yeah. a way yeah um, i mean and that's for us as well because a lot of the people that we see will use ndis and need a lot more like specialist help mm. like that's the thing. and they're not getting it and they yeah
2: because their funds are being slashed exactly. and they need it they're in genuine yep. need, need of, of that yes. to survive every single day
1: yes and mm. you know we've we've had Plenty of stories, but recently we've had a uh, one client who essentially just got this particular bucket just mm. cut in half, mm. and was just like, "Okay, you can have half now." Mm. He used all the money, mm. and his uh, his condition is degenerative. Yeah, so
2: it's not going to what get better.
1: Are we, you know, <laughs> mm. so okay, you can have half the money, and then for the last six months, he's been in a bit of a back to back, a back to back and forth war mm. with. NDIS, just trying to explain to them his situation. And and, mm. and if, if you go and lay eyes on this man mm. and you spend two hours with him...
2: You'll notice the difficulties. Straight away.
1: Mm. Straight away. Yeah. So, yeah, it's little little things like that that you... Yeah, it's, it's troubling, especially for yeah. us and you guys yeah. as well. Yeah. And if everyone kind of figures out just how to use it properly... Mm. I think we'll be fine. Yeah,
2: I agree. But there's and I a lot of this. There needs to probably be a little bit more tightening up by the NDIA. Yeah. People still get their flexibility, you know, if they want to use unregistered providers, you know, that's that, mm-hmm. that choice and control, which I fully support as well. Um, it's just about using the monies for things related to your disability. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I that's could, the I
1: overarching. Could, yeah, absolutely,
2: yeah. and I, could, you know, I could talk for a long time. I've had lots of conversations with people about things where I think, oh gosh, I just can't believe someone's claiming that it's just not the right thing to do. Yes. So, but mm. you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, <laughs> we'll watch this right. space.
1: <laughs> so, tell us a little bit, a uh, little bit about MJ and her personal uh, growth, and then leading up to NDIS, and then her NDIS journey. Yeah.
2: Okay, so she was born 10 years or 10 and a half years ago now. Mm -hmm. And she's not a baby, she tells me, (laughs) Uh, with her twin brother who's neurotypical. Mm -hmm. Um, At six months of age, she had a seizure Um, early in the morning. um, Saw it on the video monitor, the baby monitor. We called an ambulance because we'd never seen, you know, Mm. she wasn't unwell or anything like that. Um, that resulted in trip to hospital, some testing, nothing was coming up obvious, just on basic testing, um, returned home, and then within the next few months we had progressively had more seizures. Mm. So that resulted then in um, MRIs, trying to work out what was going on, and medication, and there began our epilepsy medication journey. Mm. So um, that... In itself, from then on, uh, probably she's a very late walker. So she didn't walk till she was about 20, 22 months. Mm-hmm. So quite late. Um, despite us sort of checking in, we'd had we had engaged with physios at that point in time, um, just trying to work out was this just because of a premature birth? Mm. There was no pinpoint at that point in time. Just yeah. delayed, delayed. Um, achievements and goals and things like that. Yeah, milestones, yeah. yeah. So uh, continued on probably at around three. Those milestones were being met, but they were definitely delayed. Like speech was delayed, gross motor movements were all delayed. Um, Speech was very much behind and she struggled and the seizures continued. Mm. Um, There was a period of time where she was seizure-free for around 14 months, about three and a half years old, but the medication was affecting her speech. And this, as lots of parents of kids with epilepsy will come to understand, is that these meds are great for uh, controlling seizures, but the side effects can be other things. So speech delay, cognitive delay. Um, So you've got to keep trying all these different combinations of medication and even from when that started at eight months old till now there's been huge improvements in medications for epilepsy so that continued and you know we sort of battled on we continued therapies for her to try and um, help her what type of therapies so we're doing speech Mm -hmm. OT and physio Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Um, physio was more around getting her to walk Um, So once she got up and running, she was okay. She was always a bit wobbly. She had a a bit of a wide gait. Yep. So I'll come back to the wide gate Mm -hmm. because that is now a trigger for where I go to for the next part of the story. So, um, yeah, she got up and going, still delayed in speech. We've been in, you know, we're at speech every week. We've not left speech. Yeah, right. But that's just part of the journey now. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so around uh, 5... We, she was starting school, speech was catching up, but certainly not age appropriate or gross motor movements delayed still.
3: Mm.
2: And we started um, chatting with the school and they undertook um, IQ testing, which is where we discovered she has an intellectual disability as well. Mm. So we had that diagnosed. And then only about mm, two years ago, um, we had been in hospital for some seizures and they said, look, there's new um, epilepsy panels available now for us to test on. Mm. So they've added things that you can test in the in the panels. So can we do a blood test? But it's got to go overseas and it takes about six weeks. So we said, well, of course, we'll, we will do that. Um, and during that time, probably a year or two prior to that, we joined a medical research from the Uni of Melbourne... Maybe RMIT, can't remember. Um, to Shout be. To <laughs> thank you very much, Dr. Ingrid Sheffer. <laughs> um, yeah, so we joined a panel there to have all of our bloods taken in the family as well, our immediate family, just to be part of research because we hadn't had a reason for the epilepsy. It couldn't be put down to premature birth, there was not a connection. Um, so, yeah, we had the intellectual disability. Um, diagnosis and then two years ago um, I had a I received a letter in the mail from Dr Ingrid Scheffer, who's a Dravet syndrome specialist in Australia and she had said I've been looking at the um, blood that you provided and I think MJ has Dravet syndrome mm. so she had then contacted MJ's neurologist in Brisbane and um took Ingrid to look at MJ's file in a different set of eyes to realise that she had Dravet syndrome. She was right. almost borderline in a way. Um, Drave syndrome has a, a, a spectrum like autism. So you can be on the milder end or very severe end. Mm-hmm. So um, for kids that have Draves, uh, they generally have an intellectual disability. They have a crouched gait mm-hmm. or a gait problem or develop a gait problem. Um, They face generally uncontrollable seizures, which can be grown out of as they get older or may not. Um, And then a number of other um, issues can happen with dravés as well, and it's all specific to the child. So um, some children with dravés are affected by swimming in a pool, heat and cold. Or hot weather, really hot weather. We don't have that for MJ. Um, we don't have triggers, but the only thing we know is for her her seizures happen early in the morning upon waking, which is a common thing to happen. So it's generally sort of four or five o'clock in the morning and she will um come out of a sleep pattern and then or sleep cycle and then she will have a seizure. So, um, yeah, so it took a different set of eyes for us to actually get a dravase diagnosis because Mm. our neurologist had always been on the fence. And it's funnily enough, we had mentioned the idea between the two of us. And she said, I just don't think she's showing all those signs. Mm. Um, But then once uh, Dr. Indra Sheffer had looked at her again, she said, I do think she has it. She has a mild case of dravase. Mm. So it just is this, yeah, this spectrum of uh, of things that these kitties face. And a yeah. seizure okay. is one part. Of the- yeah, yeah. So seizures are part of it um, in terms of how it works. They usually have low motor tone, unsteady walking. Mm-hmm. So you know we, you know, had we have known this information, and you know, it's it's not a common syndrome. It's certainly backed by a lot of research. Yep. Uh, at the moment, a lot of gene therapy, and it's it's uh, it's the sodium channel to the brain. It's called the SCN1A gene, mm-hmm. and there's a blockage of sodium to the brain. So, um, about twenty percent of families, um, it's hereditary. Eighty percent is de novo. So they, you know, there's just a mutation of the gene, which is what MJ has. Mm. So no one else in our immediate family has it. Mm. Um, it's just something has happened with the gene. And it, it right. fascinates me with her being a twin.
3: Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Even
2: though they are fraternal twins, that yeah. um, it has happened in one embryo and not the other. Yeah. So it's really yeah, quite interesting.
0: What does the seizure look like in the morning? You say MJ has a seizure, it's mm. very early in the morning. I'm assuming you guys are in bed. So yes, does so the we seizure have a video monitor
2: then- on her okay, yeah. and we have a seizure watch on her. So um after t- so for her it's a tonic clinic seizure so it's jerking arms legs eyes twitching mouth twitching um, and I'm a pretty light sleeper now so mm. <laughs> the monitor will go yeah. off if I don't quite catch that within 20 seconds the watch goes off within 20 seconds and it sends an alert to my my mobile and my husband's mobile so it says MJ's having a seizure you need to get to her um, oh. So the the, what, uh, the watch is connected to her f- a phone in her room as well. So mm-hmm. that means as she gets older, um, for us, we, she only wears the watch at night. But for other families that experience... Clinic seizures in the day, you can wear that watch all day, day, and you can have numerous um, caregivers added that it alerts them. Wow, that's amazing! Yeah, so it's it's uh, not the it wasn't made in the U.S. I think it's a European watch. Yeah, Um, but has given us great comfort. Yeah, um, to to allow us not to just rely on the monitor. I I would love to take the monitor away. Um, but, look, she's comfortable with it at the moment and we're comfortable. We still have the watch as well, so yeah, we okay. just keep an eye on that. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, so she has gone through a lot of different medications. Some work really well. Yes. The other realisation once she had her Draves, um diagnosis was that some of the medications that she had been taking are not suitable for Dravae's. Yeah. They actually increase – they further block – that sodium channel. Oh, right. There you go. But we didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that There must have been a bit of
0: a sigh of relief then when you kind of like find yeah, out... Yeah, I think it feeling.
2: was, you know, you, you do have that heartbreak when you have a diagnosis. Yeah. Mm. But it is also, for us, it was a sigh of relief. Mm. I real I realise for some families it's not. Yeah. Um, but for us it was because we can now understand what what she's got how does it look Mm. how is it going to look in the future yeah Yeah. what are we preparing for sort of thing? so um yeah so that's and and then the other success in terms of draves was last year um it was approved by the pbs to have cannabis oil Mm. at pbs price oh lovely so that's actually been very successful in her medicine regime for us
0: wow very successful okay so so were you using it before it was no was it just way too expensive to even try is that the idea yeah Mm. okay
1: so the
2: and and the public system wouldn't support us if we were doing that for her
1: okay Yeah. yeah
2: So it, it's, it's so they, they rocking cut a you hard off. place. Yeah, yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, right.
1: in terms of the positives that the cannabis oil has had with MJ's mm. seizures, is it just purely a reduction of the events?
2: Uh, it's a number of things reduction of events. So, we had a period of about 14 weeks. No seizures. Um, it's also clarity, memory, concentration. Wow. She struggles with those things. They're all, and that's all part of her disability is that um, she needs a lot of repetitive learning. Mm-hmm. So we can't just um, expect her to learn something straight away. It's always very repetitive. It could take a number of weeks. Some things, you know, for example, for school, she's very behind in reading. Mm-hmm. Not from lack of trying, mm. but that, that repetitive needed with reading and sight words and or camera words, what, whichever school calls them what, mm-hmm. is, is very difficult for her to jump into that part of her mind and pull that word out quickly, which is mm. what normal kids do. They lock that in. Yes. You know, anyone locks that in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just quickly look at that word and I can recall it that quick.
1: Yes, for
2: her it's not that simple
1: and the cannabis oil has seemed to help with that absolutely
2: yeah absolutely cleared her mind a lot more she can recall things she had probably her best year at school last year in terms of just um once we started the cannabis oil and it kind of kicked in um she was just the teachers like what is going on she's on fire you know like Mm. she's retaining things better so it's been a big change for her so mm. we're hoping to continue to keep it in our medicine regime
0: yeah that's so interesting we just mm. like the podcast we did prior to this mm. we spoke about cbd oil mm. yeah and it's that's like true. just as she was singing its praises the same way but it is a completely different condition mm. yeah. Yeah. And, yeah yeah and some
2: people it doesn't work for
0: Like, that's the
2: reality of medications, like, and even the other medications that are not as natural, Mm. um, they don't work for her. Yeah. And that's just, that's the part, the trial and error. Some make it worse. Exactly. (laughs) Well, you know, we know now that some make it worse. Mm. Um, So, yeah, that's been a big change for her in the last sort of thing. That is good. You love
1: hearing things mm, like that. Because it's something that you wouldn't necessarily uh, rely upon, on having a big impact. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it comes up and you think, oh, that could be a possibility, and it has an impact.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's fantastic.
1: MJ has a fantastic team of people around her. She
2: does. And
1: she, (laughs) including myself. so
2: (laughs) I'm part of that team, everybody.
1: (laughs) But uh, I wanted to, I guess, get your input on helping other parents navigate that initial stages of building a team team, and that's something Mm. that seems very important to you guys really
2: important to us um we hadn't always had it we we took a while to get there um we've got harry uh, obviously doing our exercise physiology we've got the wonderful julie with our speech therapy we have dana and nadi doing ot for mj Mm -hmm. um and we have a podiatrist as well Mm. So podiatry we only see a couple of times a year, um, but that's also made an impact on the work she does with you as well. So that's been lovely. Um, We also have been blessed with her school to have such an amazing um, special needs team. Um, They have just never questioned doing anything to help her and to try and guide her in school. And I realise some families, again, don't always get this, but I think you've got to push for it. You've got to just keep going back and saying, what are we doing? What can we do to help my child in school to, you know, enjoy school more or be included more? Um, or how do I help them with doing anything they need to do? Mm. You know, um, you know, there's a fine line, obviously, with NDIS and and school but we've got to have that connection with our therapy teams yeah. because um, if if you don't, then, you know, I'm obviously relaying all the information back, but just having that direct connection. So what we've been doing in the past sort of 18 months is having a multidisciplinary team meeting um, And that's come in all shapes and forms via Zoom, via phone, but we arrange a time where all MJ's therapists and the school um, case manager and the deputy at the special needs unit all jump in. I think we took about an hour or something last time. Um, And we all jump in and say, hey, this is what we're doing at the moment and these are the things we're working on. This is the approach we're taking with MJ. And I think Harry can probably attest it was Great for everybody um, The first big one that we did It just helped everyone Understand different things and yeah. Share approaches that we're taking To try and help her Grow um, Like Harry spoke to her sports teacher um, mm. You know the Speechy and the teacher At school sp- speak quite Frequently because they Need to engage the, What we're doing for her to help You know it makes school easier we don't want school you know she, we're very lucky that she loves going to school and i dread the day that she says i don't want to go to school because yeah. you know i think i'm different or people are you know noticing my differences or whatever is
0: that the same thing that you were talking about with the baby monitor or oh, not the, sorry not the baby monitor but the mm. monitor um is that yeah. the fear there where you're like she's going to get to an age where she's like i don't need a monitor in my room anymore like that's absolutely the thing that you're trying to, yeah okay. yeah
2: absolutely i think she will and i think um as as she gets older she's only 10 now but as she gets older She'll i think that. absolutely she will probably become more aware of um what she thinks are her differences You know, so I I have to be mindful of that. And in my mind, you know, we were sort of tracking back before about preparing for support workers. Well, in my mind, I'm like, well, we're going to need to engage probably a psych to help her work through that, you know, and how do we do that? How does that look? Mm. How could it look? I Mm. can't predict all that at the moment, but Mm. I am sure there will be a a, a time in her life where, um, you know, mentally she she might face challenges with how to accept... That life's a little bit different for her.
1: Yeah, yeah so absolutely. Hmm. so it definitely sounds like uh, advice being consistent advocacy and absolutely. encouraging communication between services as well.
2: Absolutely, get them involved. Even if it's not with the school, you can't if you can't manage that. But I push for that if you really if you can do it.
0: Mm-hmm. Is everybody at a uh, private school or a public school? Public school. Cool. Hmm. Yeah, That's
2: yeah. So um, absolutely, get your team. Even if it's once every six months. Yes. It's worth it. Yeah, it is absolutely, absolutely worth it and it's absolutely allowed. Yeah, If you have an NDIS plan, it is absolutely yeah. allowed. Those teams need to talk or else you're just doing these things independently. They do all work together. Yes.
0: I understand the time thing, but I honestly can't imagine any, any stakeholder not wanting, wanting to, to do that because it... Like I think of clients where I'm speaking to, like if I see a client who has five different support workers, mm. and I only see two of them, mm. and I'm always relaying information, be like, "You got to get this back to the other support That's workers right. because the more consistent we are about these things, the, the better it is for everyone." So, like you're, you, you yeah. do a better job of what you're yeah. doing if you're able to to speak to other people. So, Absolutely, trust me. There yeah. is
2: stakeholders that don't want to engage.
0: Yeah, right. And I think
2: if you if you really want that for your child, and you feel like what I'm saying is resonating, you need to push for it. And if they're yeah. not wanting to do it, you need to question if they're the right person for your family.
1: Perfectly put. Aren't mm. they? Yeah. What's what's one thing that you've learnt and wish other people understood about disability?
2: Hmm. Simplistically, um, people just want to be included yeah. in all different facets of their life, you know. Offer an opportunity, include people where they should be included. That, it's that simple. Like, I think the absolute joy of NDIS is that um, the general population is now being exposed more to disability and understanding it more. Mm. Um, we're not yes. there yet, but yeah. we're getting there. Yeah, it's, we're I, getting there.
0: You feel people are really trying these days. It's almost yeah. like there'll a yes. few people that overextend their yes. desire to understand it yes. and it's like you got to find that nice middle ground as yeah, well. Yeah, like, absolutely. So it's
2: is, just being inclusive.
0: Treating people as the, as you want to be treated, yep. that's kind of the goal. Yeah, like, absolutely. Don't overdo it, don't underdo it. Just yeah. everybody's everybody. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. all
2: right, yeah. And even like simplistically with kids, you know, it's natural kids are going to always look at kids that might not be the same as them. Yeah. But I think as parents and community members we need to explain yes they're not different but we're not all the same no one's the same yeah none of us are the same we all have different things different quirks whatever it may be so it's just it's it's simple to me so i'm hoping we're getting there
1: yeah Positive spins.
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So we showed this uh, photo to everybody who, oh, it's gone. Uh, and it's gone. To everyone who uh, who joins the podcast and pretty much all we we want is uh, an initial reaction of uh, of what okay. you think of I'm this photo. To see what. This and, AJ is. and I are very proud of this photo as well. So. <laughs> Yes. <laughs>
2: Very much yes, you too.
0: Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Do we look like we're about to get married? No. Or that we've been married? It looks
2: like AJ's probably done something naughty.
0: Yeah. Wow. Wow. Ah, yeah. and I fell into my hands in the photo.
1: So. <laughs> Thanks yes. so much, Peter, for that. That no was worries. fantastic. Oh. Uh, and all the best going to the future with okay. NDIS and figuring out more and more as the time goes on. Thanks. And it's been such a pleasure yeah, to work with really you and awesome, MJ man. as well. Thank you so, guys.
2: Thanks yeah. for having me.
1: No worries. Thank you, Thank you everybody. Right. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Bee Stories, the unaware podcast by Bee Physiology.
0: Don't forget to like and subscribe on all of our socials. Check out the podcast and our other episodes. And if you like it, leave a comment, let us know how much you love it.